Season 1, Episode 2. Welcome to the Show Me Comics Podcast. I'm Tim Pickerel. Who's Tim Pickerel? I am the digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor. And who's Jordan Taylor? Writer extraordinaire for Show Me Comics, producing the website content and also the scripts for all of our graphic novels and comic endeavors. And I'm Sam Richardson. And who cares? Well, my mom cares. And I guarantee if this is going up on Facebook or Twitter, she's going to be listening to this. So I better keep it clean. And tell us who you are. Uh, I am the uh, artist, uh, illustrator, graphic artist, and all that other fun stuff that comes with the uh, Show Me Comics. All right. Well, that uh, is a good thing we have you here for this episode then because we're talking about cover art and cover design and what you do when it comes to uh, making a cover, which is really important in old comic book world when you're having an issue on the newsstand, you want something to grab someone's eye. But I would say it's almost even more important in the digital age, when ev- whether it's comiXology or... You know, the iPad bookstore or Amazon or right. whatever you have, you still have to have a, a cover image for people to see, even though, you know, your art is going to be available digitally. It's it's still an important component of the comic, and it didn't go away. It's still the, you can't judge something by its cover, but, you know, the cover really sells the product. So Yeah, well, the cover's the hook in a lot of ways, but... I oh, guess we that, can yeah, go that, ahead. That's exactly what I mean. Whether you're selling a, an album, a movie, or anything, you know that, that cover is one of the first things that's going to make that sale. Uh, it's funny because we were at a you know a meeting of local comic book creators and collaborators, um, you know, earlier this week, and that was one of the things I was talking to them about. Or, you know, when it comes to comic book covers, what are things you like? What are things you don't like? You know, and some of the things we talked about made me think back to whenever I was a kid, you know, and I would read a lot of the early Marvel books. And one of the things I used to hate is whenever I would see a cover that was just like, you know, just ridiculous awesome. You know, like I I had this issue of Flash where it was like, there's his mask and it's empty and it's torn up. And I'm like, dude, this is so awesome. And then I open it up and there's absolutely nothing that has to do with Flash getting his mask ripped off or torn up. And I'm kind of like, what is this? Right. You know, or like there was like one comic book cover, like whenever, uh, you know, I think about like some of my favorite covers artistically. Yeah, there's this issue of uh, a spectacular Spider-Man whenever Sabusima was doing like every issue and it's from like the early, it was like the late 1980s and this the cover it's got Spider-Man there's like this graveyard you know and like all of these like zombies are crawling out of the graves you know you got Spider-Man and you see like his mask is ripped up and you see this skull underneath and there's bones coming out of his gloves and then like Gwen Stacy you know she's crawling out of a grave and it's just her her skeleton there's all these other characters you know like it, obviously Gwen Stacy was already dead you know, and then the storylines, but all these other characters that weren't even dead yet are all crawling out. So I'm thinking, holy crap, like what is going to go on in this episode? Like it looked awesome. Like the art was incredible and like it was like scary. And I was at that age where like comic books and scary stuff, this, that I'm hooked. And then I'm going, why is Gwen Stacy crawling out of the grave? Like this must be the greatest issue ever. And then I bought it and it had nothing to do with the graveyard. Spider-Man wasn't dead. <laughs> right. I was like, Gwen Stacy wasn't in it. It had to do with like aliens or something. So I was like, another example where the cover totally sold me. And then once I read it, it let me down completely. Well, that comes back to kind of like a rule of writing too is, you know, if you're going to foreshadow something, 
pay off, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise mm-hmm. it's a cheap thrill. And, uh, you know, there's some examples of bad writing, you know, and, uh, I like this example of, um, you know, like a mystery. Okay. And so you'll have the end of a chapter and it's like, and then they opened the door and they all gasped. Mm-hmm. And then the next chapter starts with, because they realized there was another door across the room, you know? So it's like you got hooked to go into the next yeah. chapter, but the payoff didn't equal the hook. Yeah. And so that's yeah. kind of the situation you're describing when it comes to covers is like, if you're going to have a hook cover, the issue needs to deliver on the promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a, a good example of what not to do. Um, anybody else have examples so, of what not to do or bad cover well, I have, instances? I just have, I have a question actually with the uh, since you know I'm kind of new to the whole comic book industry for the most part as we go through this. Do you think they except just, that you are a fan extraordinaire, fan don't extraordinaire of a lot of things? But I don't know like the the ends of the business. Do they just like have covers that they just that you think they just have on the back burner like that? Are completely irrelevant to the story at hand. It's you like, know, okay, yeah, here, it, we just have like all these covers that they've designed, right. so we're just going to attach it to this. It, issue. it comes to deadline, you know. Like that's why sometimes if you actually look like where the artist signed and you look at the date underneath this, and to be honest, I'm probably not the most up to date with current comics. I know they used to do this, but if you look at where they sign it, you look at the year, and sometimes the year doesn't even match up close to whenever the book's being printed. Right. So they actually just took a cool picture that maybe that artist had happened to do in the past and used that as a cover because maybe the artist was like so close to deadline with the interior work oh don't have time to do a cover let's just slap one of his old you know pinups or something on there and throw the logo on it or they go hire another artist to do the cover but depending on what company you're with and what their budget's like sometimes that's not always financially possible so they just use an old piece of art and sometimes or most of the time it's just an artist drew something that looked neat to hook the person but it had nothing to do with the story but it sold the book and like we said, you got a good chance of letting people down by doing that. You know, I think uh, that was probably truer in the past. I think today's modern audience and with the voice of the Internet, I don't think they do that as much in comics anymore because if they did a something that was that blatant as the issue you described, I'm pretty sure, you know, that would ripple out through the fan community pretty quick. And if they kept using that dirty trick, right. um, they'd get crucified in the world of, you know, social media and the Internet and all that stuff. They'd be Ooh. like, you know, it could get out within the day of it hitting the newsstands. You know, hey, yeah. don't buy this. It has nothing to do with the cover. So mm. whereas, you know, in the past, you know, thousands of people would have bought it already before they even figured out that. Right. You know, there was something to miss, and they couldn't tell somebody on the other side of the country or the oh, other yeah. side of the world not yeah. to buy it. I, I've just always thought, like, a good cover, uh, you know, not only should it get across the the point of the issue, it should just look neat. Oh, you know, well. That's, again, that's why they'll use pinup sometimes. Oh, it looks cool, but you know, sometimes if it's just a bad-ass-looking cover, I'm going to go, man, I might just buy this book. I don't care what's on the inside. It's, like, looking at this image right here. I know. I, I've had and that, so too. If, if it's, like, a cool-looking image... And it gets across the point of the story, then, like, dude, that should be the best cover that there is. So I think what we've identified here is there's two important things uh, to a good cover. And we we kind of identified them just through this brief discussion is, one, it has to be an engaging image in its own right. It has to be something that you can look at as a single piece of art and, you know, enjoy looking at it from an aesthetic mm-hmm. appeal. Right. Um, and the second thing, it if it's going to 
attempt to tell a story, it has to be effective at that too. Right. So your cover <clears throat> has to tell a story. So two things, uh, you know, good artwork, but be relevant and full when it comes to the promise of telling a story. Um, oh yeah. Like, and again, because I was an eighties Marvel geek growing up and such a Spider-Man fanatic around the same time that that issue I had talked about, uh, there was another one that came out when they were doing like, is the, this an example of what to do? Yeah. Okay, one that good. I really thought was like a good example was, uh, when they were doing the Craven's last haunt storyline, you know, where, uh, where Craven had, you know, taken Spider-Man down and buried him alive and actually took over the Spider-Man persona. Um, one of the last issues, you know, Craven goes in and commits suicide. Nope. Spoiler alert. And, uh, <laughs> it, but the actual, like, I'm, I'm hoping that every, you know, comic book geek that's listening to this already knows what happens at the end of that story since it was written in like 1988. But, uh, the the cover to that like all the covers of those like the artist's name was Mike Zeck Mike Zeck did like the whole series uh, at that time but like the covers that he was doing were perfect because like they did they gave away like you know here's a bit of what's going to happen in the story but it looked really awesome and like the the final issue where where you know Craven offs himself and it's the final book of the series. It's got, like, Spider-Man in the corner, and, like, he's in the corner of the room, and he's looking down. He's in the shadows because he was still wearing that black, you know, outfit. And uh, Craven is in, like, the foreground, and he's holding a gun, and he's just kind of, like, looking off as if he knows that Spider-Man's there, and he's just smiling like he's, you know, been expecting him. So when you look at that cover, you're like, okay, dude, you know crap's about to hit the fan why is craven holding a gun he knows spider-man's there but spider-man doesn't know that he sees him but you don't look at that and go oh yeah and i'm pretty sure craven's gonna off himself you see that gun and you think yeah he's probably about to turn and blast spider-man's head off you don't know till you get to the you know end of the book or until you listen to this podcast that craven really is about <laughs> to turn his own brains into mashed potatoes but Right, and I thought, and I thought a, that was a great example, of like how a cover can be done well. It can look cool, it can get your attention, but it doesn't give away the you know the entire story. Oh yeah, well I've you know heard that, and that's what good hooks do. A lot of the times is you know they'll have kind of a little bit of a twist, and I've heard the term used before by other people is it was surprising but inevitable. Mm -hmm. So in that example that you use with Craven is like, oh, he turns the gun on himself. That's surprising. Yeah. But when I look back to the cover. Oh, it was inevitable because he had the gun, and right, you know right. we didn't want Spider-Man to, you know, right? It lose didn't, it didn't and, mislead you. Exactly, that's, that's the it, best it, part. it you, fulfilled its promise. Yeah, you assume that he's going to do this with it from the cover, and then later on, whenever he does something totally different, you still didn't get misled. You're the one that thought, you know, oh, this is going to happen. Well, something completely I'll, different happened. I'll give a similar example of a comic book cover, and you know, I'm not the biggest, you know, comics guy. I'm not, I don't have a wealth of knowledge like you do as an artist, but I remember distinctly an issue that captured my imagination. And again, it was a Marvel eighties, uh, timeframe comic and it was transformers. I want to say number five. And back then a lot of the transformer comics had really beautiful covers. Like they, it was painting style, almost like, uh, Alex Ross type style, yeah. you know? And, uh, at least for the first couple issues. And this one was like a really stark room and had what almost looked like a stone or a tile wall. And it was very dimly lit. And in front of it standing shockwave and shockwave hadn't been a very big character in the transformers comics up to this point. And that's exactly what they wanted. Cause you're like, hmm, who's this nobody character and into the tile wall was carved almost like looking with a laser, 
so it has the Transformers up top at the ti- as the title, and then what's written in the wall is "Are all dead?" Yeah, and I'm like, whoa! So this well, is you, you know, <clears throat> super awesome hook that gets you in there. It's like, well, I got to read it now. I got to figure out what the heck this you know m- minimal character oh, yeah. means by scrawling "They're all dead." And uh, when you go in there, you find out that you know they're not never coming back but that a major event had happened and you know it was a really good cover and stood out in my mind as an example of what a good cover could be yeah as soon as you say that i think of like a billion other marvel stories and i think that days of future past that's exactly what i was going to go for and then that's and again i'll probably get a bunch of dc fanboys that you know (laughs) email us or whatever fan men fan men well okay (laughs) fan people yeah, but uh, you know that are fans listening to the podcast. They're going to be like, oh, you know, say I'm going to go to hell. But I, I always think that's one of the things that has made Marvel so much more dominant over DC is just their attention to drama and their storytelling. You know, from the '60s all the way, you know, to present day. Oh, and when I you think, look uh, back at like, like, like Tim said, the days of future past where you've got, you know, the older Logan and, you know, Kitty Pride's behind him. And there's that sign that shows all the X-Men that are missing or deceased. It's just like, you look at that. Can we put like, like a klaxon siren uh, sound effect in <laughs> later? Cause I'm going to have that come down. Like actually if Protocon could what? probably make one come down and an alert, we're going to back burner that topic, actually, I think. And I think that's a good topic for another podcast is the dramatization, dramatization. of Marvel versus yeah. not only DC, but Anything. maybe some yeah. other other companies and when maybe Marvel's done it wrong. Yeah. But uh, we'll back burner that because I think it's kind of leading us off our cover design topic. Um, but that would be a great topic for another No, no, I, mean, I wasn't going to try to get into a debate of Marvel over DC, but where I was going with that is just the dramatic effect. And that's something I think a lot of uh, independent creators tend to forget about whenever they're not just designing the cover, but the whole comic book itself is it tends to be, you know, ooh, I want to do all this sequential art and lay out all this stuff and have a comic book. But they forget that there's a huge element of drama that needs to be there for any comic book to be successful. Well, I had to learn that as a writer myself, you know, it's like, oh, I'm doing this because it's cool, but the audience or the reader doesn't necessarily care because I haven't set it up in dramatic fashion for them to care about it. You know, it's much cooler later if they're invested in the characters invested in the other things that have been happening and then that cool thing gets like an x factor right uh, thrown on top of it that makes it that much cooler yeah so to me a successful cover no matter how simple or elaborate that it is there still has to be that element of drama and even if it's like you know, the most simple design where I think guys like, like Todd McFarlane, who I'll admit you know, growing up and even now, I mean, I was a huge McFarlane fan. You can look at my art where I do so much, you know, feathering and cross hatching. And I'm like, you know what? That was me trying to be McFarlane. I need to like hold down on that. And when it came to his covers, like, again, they looked awesome. You'd hold them up and be like, Oh, this is neat. This is like a pinup. But he'd lose a lot of drama to it. It would just be like, here's Spider-Man swinging. Okay, but there's not much drama to it. Right. You know, or like some other artists were like that where it's like, yeah, they did a really cool picture. And it, maybe it didn't, you know, it didn't mislead people. It didn't give them the wrong impression. All it was was just the character looking neat. And it's like, well, that's cool, but there's no drama to it. So there's the second pitfall we talked about is, you know, uh, we want to achieve two goals. A really cool looking single image. 
And the second thing is telling a story. So the first pitfall we talked about was telling the wrong story, which was a misleading one. The second pitfall that you just mentioned here was not telling a story at all. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Like Spider-Man swinging in between two buildings, he does that every issue. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's no story there. He gives you no hint or hook as to what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of artists out there that, that do an awesome job of taking you a very... Simple images. They'll take a cover that's very, very, you know, bare. It might just be like you know, a, a couple images just laid out, but they'll create so much drama with that that it still makes you want to pick that book up. It might not give away any of the story that's in there, but because there's so much intrigue and drama to how they place those images that you look at that and go, okay, you know, I want to pick this book up and see which inside. Well, let's talk about our own cover that we designed then. How did a uh... You know, we talked a lot back and forth about some design ideas, and you ultimately did the layout. So uh, what was your thought process going into laying out the images the way you did? Uh, I, I knew right away I, I wanted it to be simple. I wanted something that, you know, your eye doesn't get lost in. Um, you know, you, you were throwing out a couple of different ideas at me of Kevin, like, you know, like a solid red background and a couple of ideas of, of movie posters, you know, that you really liked. And then we talked about... You know, think of this more as a movie poster than a, than just a comic book cover. Yeah, right, because um, the movie poster, that has to sell a story right, in one single right. image when somebody's walking by. And, and the other idea to get across is it's like when we look at Show Me Comics, you know, one of the points we're trying to drive through to, you know, our potential audience is you know, this isn't Marvel. This isn't DC where it's a superhero world. You know, you, right. what you're getting is, you know, this almost like a cinematic style comic book storytelling. And, you know, that's what I wanted to cover to, to kind of get that point across. Instead of just, ooh, here's Hafu and she's fighting her dad with a sword or something. You know, yeah, it could look cool. And maybe to comic fans, it would get across, you know, the comic book point. But it doesn't kind of drive in there that we're we're not quite the same. We're not just a comic book world. We're giving exactly. you kind of cinema in, in comic book format. But, uh you know, I wanted to get that point across. I, I wanted the reader to be able to look at it and get like, you know, here's the the simple design, here's the layout, but also get an idea of what the story was. So, you know, once you told me about kind of like the solid red background and keeping it movie style, I thought back again to whenever I was little. And uh, one of the things I used to get fascinated with whenever I was a little kid, you guys probably remember this, is uh, the old Ronnie's Theater. You know, before they put the new on it, whenever it was just, you know, the old Ronnie's. And for those of you listening that are from St. Louis, you might know what I'm talking about. There was a theater here in St. Louis that we, you know, like everybody goes there. And uh, back in like the 80s and early 90s, the old building was up and they had like this arcade. And whenever you'd go in there, they had all the movie posters from like all the old like 1970s horror films. It wasn't even like, oh, here's comedy. Like, it was mainly all like 70s horror films, like all the posters. And like, I remember as a little kid, I would look at those and I'm like, they were scary, but like they were scary because they were, they were just... They were so basic. It wasn't like here's oh, you know, well. Jason chopping somebody's head off. It would be like here's sleepaway camp. Here's a here's a butcher knife and like the reflection of some crazy lady's eye. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like the way they would put those together. Like even some of the movies that weren't horror films back then, the way they did the poster, it almost looked scary. It like it was like cannonball run but the way they did it you wouldn't know that burt reynolds in a comedy you're like oh man this is scary so like i was thinking how how can i capture a little bit of that without the reader thinking okay this is a horror book i still wanted to be dramatic but not like that far and so 
when I thought of that, you know, that was a used element. There was that the knife being up. I thought, well, what if that's a katana blade? You got a reflection on one of the Kazan ninjas, and then you know the big element is Akiko's head. And instead of drawing it comic book style, like you know the inside and the interior art is, I thought, what if I did this more, you know, painted photorealistic style? You know, and here she's with her head down, so you get the idea. The story's about you know this girl who you know she's half Asian and. Uh, she doesn't look the happiest. She doesn't look scared. She just looks kind of cold. And then there's that katana blade and the reflection of the ninja. I thought that's enough that you can look at that, kind of get an idea of the story, but it doesn't mislead you. And it's enough to go, well, I better open this up and see what it's about. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a, a touch on to the people probably have different opinions about where the cover art is vastly different from what the art looks like on the inside. But right. Personally, I'm really glad you went with the choice of having like a photorealistic cover, whereas, you know, it's more traditional comic art on the inside. The reason I like that, maybe this dates me and makes me old, but I used to remember it it was kind of a sense of immersion and I could suspend my disbelief on some of the the cartoony style of some art sometimes. And the example I'm going to use is video games, though. And you guys, you know, we're we're (laughs) all... I already have the cover that i'm thinking of well, when you we'll, say that we'll age ourselves here but we totally uh, will. we're all about 30 years old so we played classic 8-bit nintendo mm-hmm. and i remember you're watching these sprites on the screen and you're like this is pretty fun and this is pretty cool and you know we'll get to covers of the video games in a second but just nintendo power i remember i loved right. going through nintendo power because you'd have like the strategy guide i wasn't reading it over and over because of the strategy guide I was looking at the little pictures in the lower left and upper right-hand corner where it's like, now I've got this detailed graphic picture of Link fighting an Octorok, and all of a sudden I could go back and play the game, and I'm imagining, holy cow, this is way more, you know, this this is real. I'm observing it through this 8-bit portal, but there's a much more deeper, realistic kind of thing to it. And I always like that about differing art between the comic cover and the you know, the interior comic, because you can be like, hey, these are just two people that saw the same event, and oh. they told it back, you know, a little bit differently, oh, but yeah. that makes it seem broader. It's funny that you use it as an example, because I there, I also had a video game magazine that gave, it was the opposite effect. It was GamePro, and back then, GamePro used to have, it was this guy, his name was like, he just signed it as Mao. It was like M-A-O, it was Mao and... The artwork that he did was horrible. Like, even whenever I was, like, 11 years old, I would look at that, and I'm like, that is stupid. Like, I could do Goro better than that. Like, he would put together, like, everything, his composition, his rendering, it was just crap. And it would get me so angry that I was like, I don't even know if I want to buy this magazine. But I would because I was like, I wanted to see the actual video games inside and how much better it looked than what that guy was drawing. And sometimes I would buy it just to hate it. And then I would redraw it in my own style because I hated how much that guy had done it. So well, it's like, and then, and then he it, mailed his picture into EGM. <laughs> and it was like, I thought GamePro was a great magazine for a long time, but it was like the one thing I hate. It was like, I'd be with my mom at the grocery store and I'd be like, oh, there's GamePro. I'm like, Oh, that cover! I did it again. You know, Street Fighter, and they look so stupid. But I'm gonna buy it because of that and redraw it. <laughs> it's an interesting concept, the old video games and the old video game artwork, because you had that like, I mean, from the time video games started, the Atari 2600, all the way up through the 16-bit games. I mean, they all use like 
Boris Vallejo type. Oh, oh yeah, awesome and stuff. The one, and the the I mean the one like I was mentioning the uh, the cover that immediately came to my mind. Wizards and Warriors Two <laughs> yeah, for the oh, NES, yeah. the one with Fabio, with Fabio as Kuros. <laughs> but that you know, I like to look at that artwork, you know, because yeah. a lot of times they'd have going back to storytelling is they would have images in the background that were almost like little sequential art scenes, kind of around it. It was all one picture, you know, but you'd have, you know, like. I'm just going to make something up here, but you'd have a zombie crawling out of a grave in the lower left-hand corner. You'd have a dragon flying up in the upper mm-hmm. right-hand corner. You're like, holy cow, what do zombies and dragons have to do with each other? I don't know. And maybe I'm mixing up with, like, super ghouls and ghosts or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, uh, you know, it kind of told the story. Like, in this game, you're going to see these things, and they're all related. You want to find out how? Play this game. Oh, yeah. You know? my My favorite... <laughs> and this goes against some of the stuff that we were saying for layout and design and, and to segue back to comic books. I used to love it back when I well, don't like, count, contradict when, us <laughs> on our own show. Well, I used to love it when like Nintendo would have ads inside of comic books and it would be like, you know, it, it's an advertisement for like, you know, is this like a kid with the sunglasses getting blown out of yeah, his recliner it be, it be or like, something? It would be like a kid with like some cool 80s, you know, sunglasses on, and he'd have like a wife beater, and he's there with his brother, and like his brother's on the floor dead, and he's like radical, <laughs> and then it was like a commercial for like Contra. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. This has nothing to do with the game. I guess they were trying to get across the point of like, you play these games and you're this kid with the glasses. You're oh, radical. And it <laughs> blows <laughs> you out of your recliner. Your so acid wash jeans. Maybe that's where we should have went with the cover design for this. It's, it's like, like a person reading we a comic got book. Got <laughs> or that. There we go. Well, we got lots of ideas for our next cover uh, out of the show, but I think uh, that's kind of bringing us to the end of our time, so... Hopefully you learned something from this, and we're still experimenting with the cover design process, so don't be surprised if you hear us tackle this topic again in the future. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Show Me Comics podcast. We're wishing you the best in your creative endeavors. And for more information, check out uh, our cover, because we'll put it in the link of the notes. Go to www.showmecomics.com, and that's comics with a CS, because we know how to spell. Yeah, and if you're on Twitter, follow us at Show Me Comics. Is that what the CS He's asking you. Oh, <laughs> Cut this whole little no, part. No, this is Cut. the best part. Yeah, this and is the I bonus feature. I think about it for a second. I was like, what, <laughs> is he, what is he talking How do we spell comics? <laughs> don't, don't blame it's, him. He wasn't here last time. Show so. me comics. C-O-M-I-C-S, not X. Why is it with a C-S? Because that's how it's actually spelled. <laughs> and because we know how. Because you're we know how terrible at this. <laughs> you're terrible at this we're, catchphrase stuff. This is great. All right, and All right. we're stopping. See you next time.